to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. We are in familiar parts of the scriptures. We know the stories well. We've heard them perhaps even as a young child. And now we take a closer look. You ever notice how significant it is that difficult times are called trials? Difficult times are called trials. And you know why? Because they give clear evidence about who we really are down deep. It's when our character comes out and everyone gets to see what kind of man or woman we are. James, in James uh, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, James says that trials also produce character in us. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Value of trials. Hmm. Well, this is certainly the case when it comes to Joseph. Joseph. You see here in this chapter, we find that he experiences three arduous disciplines, trials, you might say. And they come from the Lord, and the Lord uses these events to shape him and to reveal him. The purposes of difficult times, my friends, are to shape us and to reveal to us who we are. Isn't that what a test is? We often call these times of testing. It's the purpose of a test. Show what you know, right? Make it clear. We see here in verses 1 to 6, the discipline of service. Up until this time in Joseph's life, he's been given the fancy robe. He's been the guy over his brothers, sent by his father to check on him and make sure they're doing their work. He's been the guy at the top. But now in his life, everything changes. Now you may recall, two chapters ago, Joseph is was uh, plotted uh, by his brothers to kill him first and foremost, but then ultimately they sold him as a slave, which is still astounding to think that brothers would treat a brother in that way. Astounding. But sure enough, the providence of God is at work in all of these things. God at work in our lives. And we find here in verse 1, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. You see, he sold him as a slave. Those guys were traitors headed toward Egypt. And they sold him. And we find out what happened to him. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, and an Egyptian. And we see multiple descriptions of this man. We see that he is an officer of Pharaoh. A connection with Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh isn't the guy's name. You know, what are we going to call this little guy? You know, it's like the word president. 
the one who rules is called Pharaoh. And he is the captain of the guard. This guy knows what it's like to walk around in a good suit. And he is an Egyptian. And he had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Now it is significant that he is in Egypt here. Egypt is significant in that Egypt is a place of refuge for the people of God. It is an astounding thing how God uses Egypt as a place of refuge. I mean, it was for Abraham. Abraham went down to Egypt for refuge. Isaac did the same. Eventually, the children of Israel will spend 430 years in Egypt. And ultimately, Jesus himself went to Egypt for refuge. It is a fertile land because of the Nile particularly, and particularly during, during famine. It is a place that doesn't uh, lean on rain. It has its own water supply. Hey, lock up the heavens, we are all right. And that's the, the land of Egypt. Significant that God has brought him here at this time. But we see that he is experiencing enslavement. And as we have mentioned about trials, about difficult times, a time of discipline. And remember, discipline is all about training, not punishment. <laughs> training, equipping, transforming. We see in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph as he promised to be, just like you and I. And we note, following that phrase, that the Lord is with Joseph, he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. And you will note in verse 3, and you will take careful note of this. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand. How do you suppose this guy saw that the Lord was with him? Must have worn t-shirts or something, huh? Walked around singing Christian songs? <laughs> I'll tell you what, friends. Like James also taught, faith without works is dead. It is separated. It is wrong. It is unfit. People saw in his life the work that God was doing. And one of the works that God was doing was causing everything in his hand to prosper. And so in response to that, Joseph found favor in, the, in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his whole house and put him in charge of everything that he had. Imagine, here's this guy, sold as a slave and suddenly, boom, by the work and providence of God, he is now in charge of Potiphar's house. He made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. And notice verse 5, at the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian. You see, that's the whole point, isn't it? 
See, the blessing isn't just for us. The blessing is supposed to be shared by us. I mean, that's the Abrahamic covenant, yes? Passed on to Isaac and Jacob and here and Joseph demonstrated, my friends, that he was blessed in order to be a blessing. God had said to Abraham, I will bless you. I will bless your descendants. And through this nation that will come of you, I will bring blessings on all the families of the world. Blessing. And here Jacob, or Joseph, is being a blessing. And that blessing is falling on the house of his Egyptian master. And what we see here in verse 6 is that he left all that he had in, in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. little cultural insight, only Egyptians prepared food for Egyptians. Oh, you can be in charge of everything, but don't touch my big man, you know, whatever. Egyptians eat. And so here is Joseph giving this great influence in this man's house. And we can see that he is thriving under the discipline of service. Because faithful servants, you know what the reward for faithful servants is, my friend? More service. More work. And here we see it exhibited in Joseph's life. Well, then we see also that he experiences the discipline of self-control. Self-control, nothing more than the ability to control yourself. To say no to seconds. To say no to one more dessert. The ability to say no to yourself. It is the exact opposite, my friends, of how we come into this world more, more, more until I say that's enough. The ability to say no to yourself. How many times have you used the expression, well, I just didn't help you. That is the opposite, by the way, of self-control. And we see here in verses 7 through 10 that Joseph experiences this attempted seduction of a woman. You will notice in verse 7, after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But she's not talking about a nap. You know, they're not reading books together. Okay? And so here she comes. Come and lie with me. Now you can use your imagination here and say, hey, here's Joseph sold as a slave by his brothers in Egypt, away from his family, his father. You know, a lesser man might say, well, this ain't fair. And so why don't I just go ahead and do this? Not Joseph. You see, Joseph is a man of character. And character can only be displayed by exercising it, friends. You can't just talk about it. So after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Now, Joseph's activities in the house of uh, Potiphar 
meant that day by day he's passing through the whole house. You know, the uh, the house would have been set up with his chamber and in the back a bedroom, and he would have been walking in and out and through a very obvious target From a human point of view, my friends, this is a difficult time. Come, the soft, the song of drawing I not day after day. Just once. You fight this stuff all the time, don't Well, my friends, one thing we see here that's very clearly is so powerful, I'll tell you, this, this account rocks me. And it motivates me and it fires me up because we see he overcame this temptation by thinking of someone other than himself. Wow, put that one in your tool belt. You want to overcome temptation? Stop thinking about yourself and think about someone else. You see here in verse 8 we read, He refused. And he said to his masters, like, Behold, because of my master has no concern about anything in this house, he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. Thought about his master. Now, wait a minute. Shouldn't he hate this guy? Or maybe he had a higher perspective. That he doesn't serve man, but he serves God. That enables him to be faithful in his service. Then he thought about his master. Then you know what? He thought about his God. And he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. How can I do that? Boy, that tells you something about this guy. That it wasn't just so easy to say, yeah, but it's just this once, and you know, things are hard, and I'm away from my, and all of the excuses that roll from my lips so well. Joseph's like, how could I possibly do that? sin against no and I'll tell you what friends this gives us a great opportunity <coughs> to take a look at our own life and say is this us is this the way we feel about how could we possibly sin against God and do this thing because if it's not my friend the question is why why do you feel like it's okay to sin against God why is it so easy for you why is it so difficult for Joseph? So he thought of his master. He thought of his God. He was holy. You see, the great wickedness was to violate the trust of God and to commit adultery. Apparently, Joseph had the, con uh, the character to say, I would never do it. That ain't me. No, deep, deep down, this is who I am, and I would never do that. You've said that about some things. Perhaps we need to build the list of 
more things that we would never do to sin against God. And so we find here in verse 10, he implemented a strategy. And take a look at his strategy to overcome this temptation. And as she spoke to Joseph, verse 10, day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. I will not listen. I will not put myself in this position to be near her. I will not push my life. I will not say, because I am a man of God, it does not matter. I will spend time with her. Maybe it's I could share Christ with her, you know. And an uncle shared Christ with a lady, ended up uh, leaving his wife and marrying her. Ooh, godly ministry there, eh? Something missing. My friends, when you don't see how horrific this move was of this woman, He would not even allow himself to enjoy her longings. Think about that. The pole vaulter in high school. You have to imagine somebody different than me, but apparently some people thought I was attractive, including this girl who would not leave me alone in pole vaulting. She's like three years younger than me, and she wouldn't stop coming by and giggling. And I'll tell you what, friends, there's something just enjoyable about that when somebody says, I like you. But Joseph would not even allow that self for him. I'm not going to enjoy the flattering and all of the nice, kind words that she would say. Not listening, not going to be there. Because you know what, my friends? You can't have adultery with someone you're not with. It's a perfect strategy, is it not? Sure it is. Well, my friends... Because of his constant no's, she took another strategy. We see in verse 11, but one day, isn't that a transition? But one day, in contrast to all of the others, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there in the house, <coughs> she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. You see, Joseph lost his clothing, but he kept his character, didn't he? Hmm. Cloak. Well, there's a word in the life of Joseph, isn't it? Why'd they want to kill this guy? That coat of his. Many colors, they say. And so here he is without a cloak. A problem for Joseph. Hmm. And as soon as she saw that he had left the garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called all the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice, and as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the household. 
Then she laid up his garment by her until her master came home. Till his master came home. And she told him the same story. And you will notice the finger pointing at Joseph is done. Now it gets pointed at her husband. And so she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to laugh at me. Now that's an interesting expression, laugh at me. You know, because it was like, where is that? Was he a comedian, you know, making fun of her? That's not what she's saying here. This is the same phrase that was used when Isaac and Rebekah were in Egypt. And he was laughing at her. Friends, that's not how they found out they were husband and wife. There was something more than that going on. But it was an accusation. They came in to lie with me. I cried out with a loud voice, and as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until the master came. And she said the same story. The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as his master heard these words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled like a fire. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. <coughs> Let me ask for a moment to ask you, just gentlemen, to consider for a moment. If someone had come to attack your wife, is that your first thought? Let's put this guy in jail. Not so much me. Might have something to do with wringing his neck or something. You know, grabbing him by the head and swinging him around, you know. And punt kick through the goalpost, my friends. This is an odd response, isn't it? Well, I'll just throw him in jail then. The ancient world knows nothing of prisons where criminals go. There was no penal system set up here. This was, uh, was different than what you and I think of going to prison. This was a place where debtors would go. People who owed money until they would somehow pay their way out. Or have a family member come and pay their way out. This gives me every evidence here, my friends, to think that perhaps Potiphar didn't believe her. Look, I know this guy. I watched him day after day. I've seen his God at work in his life, Yahweh. He has blessed him and he has blessed me. Something's up with this. And he's tossed into this prison. I don't think he believed it. Says something about character, eh? Being the man or woman of God that God has called you to be, living it out, 
day by day, practicing the spiritual disciplines of Bible study and prayer. I'll tell you what, friends. If you haven't set your timer yet to pray every day and walk around, you want to talk about heart change? Talk to God for 40 minutes a day, or 50 or 60 if you can keep it to that. I do it every day, and it's changing my heart, friends. God is showing me things that I didn't know were there. I'm a different man than I was six months ago. You don't see it, but the Lord does. I hope you see some of it. Heaven saves. Be the point of it then. So Joseph, sold as a slave, and now we find him in this prison. And it is every much a prison as any other prison in that he does not have freedom anymore. And here we find him experiencing this third trial. Opportunity to see what it's made, what he's made of. The discipline of faithfulness under duress. Holding on when everything seems to go south. You see, everything about Joseph makes me think of Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 verses 4 to 7. You see, the nation of Israel, you know the, the account, we've talked about it, we'll continue to remind you that indeed the nation of Israel was birthed, you know, out of Egypt and uh, moving ever closer to the, the land and then they're in the land and they're in the land and there is nothing but sin. It is just a constant rotation. I mean, the book of Judges is a sin cycle. The people of God sin. God raises up a people to come and pummel on them. And they cry out to God, and then God raises up a judge and delivers them. And that lasts a couple of years, and it all starts over again. The book of Judges is one sin cycle after another. And that sin just continues into their leaders. And ultimately, God determines that he's going to remove them from the land for 70 years. 70 years they are in exile. And here in Jeremiah chapter 29, the Lord gives the people instruction while they are in exile, while they are away from home. How then should you live? Should you be troubled every day? Well, let's take a look at what the Lord says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, <coughs> to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat the produce. Take wives, have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there. Do not decrease. But note carefully verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Friends, if that is not instruction for us here, our citizenship is in heaven. Our home is with God. We are away. Certainly these principles are true for us, and they were most certainly true in Joseph's life away from home. Sir Potiphar has cast him into this, this prison, 
And we see here in verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. You see, because the Lord is directing these things. And this is the wonder about this story. If you know how it ends, it makes it simple. But watching Joseph go through this one step at a time, what do I got to do? I'm faithful, hardworking. I didn't touch this guy's wife. And here I go lower and lower again. Friends, this is the back door to success. You see, the Lord is bringing him to a place. And you and I need to think that when we're going through difficult circumstances, God is at work. <coughs> God is bringing us to a place place where he will use us for others good and for his glory stop grumbling all grumbling is against God no grumbling my friends trust him and so the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison you know what that sentence just said? He blessed him. He was with him, and he caused him to prosper. He blessed him. God was with him to bless and to make a difference in his world. And uh, it seems like we're on rewind here, like we saw this episode, but take a look at what happened. So he's faithful. He is hardworking. God has blessed him. When we come to verse 22, and we see... The keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one that did it. And there is Joseph back on time, running the place. Seems that maybe God has plans for that. And the Lord caused Joseph to prosper. Look at verse 23. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Because they saw Yahweh at work in this guy's life. I hope there's somebody in your world that sees the same thing, friends. That Yahweh is working in your life. And you will notice, and whatever he did, the Lord made it to succeed. You see, Joseph here is a great example of a believer who trusted God and made the best of his difficult circumstances. He is most certainly an inspiration to us that every trial has a purpose and comes with a provision of God to enable you to succeed. That feels like rain. Somebody spit. Come on, dude. Well, it's a good thing we're at the end of our sermon so you don't miss it. Every trial comes with the purpose of God and the provisions of heaven. <clears throat> Trust Him. 